digital marketing can be both a blessing and a curse. On one hand, there's a low barrier to entry so any size company can participate. On the other hand, it's become increasingly complex, time-consuming, and what worked yesterday could very well not be effective tomorrow. Mastering digital marketing has become a must for most businesses, thus learning what's working and what's not is critical in order to develop the right strategy for your organization. Today's guest is going to share how to do this. I'm Jane Singer, and it's great to have you as part of our global community of industry leaders here on A Seat at the Table. Chris Pistorius has over 15 years experience in digital marketing. Before starting his own marketing agency in 2009, he worked for online giants including AOL, Time Warner, Dex, and MapQuest. In this podcast, he'll be discussing what's working best right now in digital marketing, why paid advertising could be a better strategy than simply increasing your number of posts on social media, and how to use social media to create a more personal connection with your market. Digital marketing is just one of the many fast-changing aspects of business that leaders need to understand these days. To win in an environment that's a lot more complicated than it used to be requires the best talent in key leadership roles and on teams. However, finding and recruiting these people is not always easy. That's why top corporations and even smaller enterprises rely on AsianNet consultants to help them fill those key positions. Since 1988, AsianNet has been working in partnership with its global clients to help them make the right strategic hires. They have a well-earned reputation for being able to fill even those difficult to fill positions. So if you need to recruit new talent, or you think you might be doing that soon, head on over to their website. That's asianetconsultants.com. AsianetConsultants.com. I'll also leave a link in the show notes. Now let's sit down with Chris and find out how to get digital marketing right. Chris, I'm really happy to have you on a seat at the table. I think that what you are talking about is of interest to so many people these days, particularly as people right now feel more compelled to try and drum up business. So I think it's interesting that you're talking specifically about digital marketing. Yeah, well, it's, you know, when I started in digital marketing, geez, 13 years, 14, more than that, actually, gosh, I'm getting old. Um, you know, it was the kind of the wild, wild west. And right. I started my agency to, to try to solve for that, you know, and it's still kind of the wild, wild west. So <laughs> agency still in marketing and digital marketing, especially still needs kind of somebody to help guide small businesses and, you know, just any kind of business owners and, you know, on navigating through those trenches, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there's a lot of confusion specifically around digital marketing. Many people and and many businesses as well, think of social media, right? Digital marketing, social media as a place where you can reach vast numbers of people for free. What might they be getting wrong about this view? After all, you you have free access and there are certainly millions of people on those platforms. So what, from your experience, do you feel that people might be overlooking? Well, Jane, it used to be that way. When these when these mediums were new, um, you know, it was much easier to get your message out in front of people for free. But now it's much different. These, these social media platforms have complex algorithms now, 
much as search engines like Google and Yahoo and all these others do. And it's really turned into more of a pay to play. So even though, you know, you may have a thousand followers of your small business, if you go and post something right now, there's actually only going to be a small percentage of those people that will actually see your content. Now, there's some things you can do to, to enhance that by producing better content, more content that will get reactions like follow or likes and shares, things like that. That will open up the organic algorithm of these social media platforms a little bit. But their ultimate goal is really to get you to pay. Right. <laughs> and so once you once you can, you know, once you pay, that will open up that network a little bit more. And that's where you see like the in Facebook boosting posts or, you know, things like that. So, you know, back in the day, yeah, you could get a pretty good organic following and get good coverage with that. But now it's changed a little bit and you've got to write a lot better, more compelling content and or just pay to play. I think that's a really good point. And certainly, and, and me too, right? When you put a post there and you get a lot of views on it or a lot of likes, of course you feel like you've achieved something, right? You feel, wow, I'm really moving the needle. But as you're pointing yeah. out, and I think you're you're quite right about it, not really because you don't know who's seeing it and yeah. they're seeing it just for, for a moment in time. And you're right. Certainly these platforms have their motivation to want you to pay. They have to make a living too. So from that point of view, What's the secret to success on running paid ads on these platforms? That's the problem. There's no silver <laughs> bullet or no single thing, right? We build our campaigns for small, medium-sized businesses. And honestly, we have to approach each one a little bit differently based on who their target audience is, um, where their market is physically located, right? Like what country, what city, what state, things like that. And, you know, I always tell my clients and I talk about this in my podcast and when I'm doing seminars and things is that the most important thing that you can do with any marketing, especially social media, is draw your new patient, your new customer, your new client, whatever it is, avatar, meaning who's your dream customer, right? And right. kind of jot down on a piece of paper their characteristics, you know, maybe their age range, you know, what they might be interested in. Right. And then once you can do that, then that will guide you towards, you know, how you should be posting content. Right. We just talked about how the algorithm opens up a little bit when you get more engagement in your posts, when people like it and share it and things like that. Well, the only way people actually do that is if it's pretty compelling content. So if you're going after a 25 to 35 year old female with two and a half kids and a golden retriever, right, maybe um, you don't want to write content that they're not going to be interested in. You're going to want to write content as what we call in their wheelhouse. Right. And so. When you do that, you'll have the better chance of getting more likes, more attention, and the algorithm will open up for you, right? But if you don't know your avatar, if you don't know who you're going after, you really need to back up and do that because otherwise you're just putting a lot of stuff out there and you're really hoping something's going to work for you. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's a challenge to be able to really narrow down who your target market is or your target client, and then to be able to really understand what will resonate with them. So that's not an easy thing to do, but you're absolutely right. right. It's the only way you're going to get that engagement with them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about paid advertisement? Do you know what I'm saying? Not not mm -hmm. actual content that you've written and have had boosted, but what about just running, you know what I'm saying, Facebook ads or 
Instagram ads or LinkedIn ads or things like that. How have you seen that? Do you find that to be beneficial? Absolutely. We run social media paid ad campaigns for almost all of our clients and almost all of them are successful with an ROI. The thing is though, you've got to know what you're doing. You can't just put anything up and expect to get great results, especially if you're in competitive industries or markets. Right. Um, So I'll tell you some things that are working for us right now is video and personalized images. Okay. So video everything if you can, right? Snippets of you doing um, topics or podcasts about whatever it is you do. Use that snippets. Um, Also include your family, include your dogs, include everything in images. Because at the end of the day, all marketing is about people buying from people. You can't forget that. And so when we try to really overthink things and do all these cool you know, whatever we do with social media ads, sometimes it's the basics, right? Put your family in there, right? If you're, if you feel comfortable doing that, you know, talk about you personally, try ads like that. And I can promise you your conversions are going to be better. At least that's what's working right now. I think that's very interesting because oftentimes we don't really feel comfortable doing that. Some people certainly do, but a lot of people would shy away from something that might be too personal, feel that maybe it's not professional. So it's interesting that you're pointing out that maybe we need to let down our guard at least a little bit. Yeah, I would. I mean, you don't have to like put your phone number and address on any (laughs) of these ads, right? But, you know, show people that you're a human being, you know, just show the emotion side of you that's sticking out right now. And that's getting us a lot of really good conversions. So, um, you know, in six months, that may not work anymore, right? But it's always about getting ahead of that curve and figuring out what's working now. Yeah, absolutely. But what I will tell you is that I'm finding that podcasting is starting to become the new newsletter, right? So like what we're doing right now, I've got my own podcast, you've got your podcast, and there's a lot of great marketing benefits to doing those things. Not everybody's comfortable doing a podcast, right? It's much easier to write an email or a newsletter. But what I would suggest with your newsletter and the clients that we have that are doing those is what you put in it is what you're going to get out of it. Make sure that's good quality content that your demographics, your avatars, if you will, are really going to want to engage in and actually read. Don't just send something out to send something out. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's it's a very big challenge for individuals or companies. I think people don't realize how difficult it is, right, to create that kind of content on a frequency basis that resonates with an audience, not not that not as simple as it looks. Not at all. And honestly, I'm not good at it either. I'm not. That's <laughs> why I hire smart people that are way smarter than me and more creative and are really good at it. You know, and sometimes that's that's a key in business as well. You can't do it all yourself because you're not good at everything. There's times when you get to be when you're a business and you're big enough and it's financially a time to hire people that are good at that kind of stuff, you know. So that's what I've done. <laughs> You're right. You can't be good at everything. And you only have so many hours in a day. And and when you look at yeah. each of these things, they're um, energy and time vampires, as they say. I mean, social media <laughs> alone, right? Just posting all day long can be um, hugely time consuming, not to mention trying to do a podcast or do a newsletter of your own. So it's in a sense, I think what you're saying is that you're actually better off trying to leverage other people's media, right? Be a guest on other people's podcasts, have your sponsored content on somebody else's newsletter that they're having to sit there and write, you know, or post on social media rather than trying to be the platform yourself. 
Yeah. And there's some huge benefits of doing like what I'm doing with you, for instance, is, you know, being on your podcast is will help my company in terms of SEO rankings or any, right. any of the listeners out there that's big into search engine optimization, because, you know, you'll probably put this on a website somewhere and people can find it. Well, that creates a backlink, a link from your website to my website. And yours is a valuable one because it's reputable. Uh, people trust it. Google trusts it. So, you know, when you start doing that and you do a podcast a week or a month, you start getting these very powerful backlinks and that will increase your organic rankings on Google. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you, know, you brought up SEO. And I think that's another area where there's a lot of confusion now. In the early days, as you were talking about with regard to social media, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think this applies to SEO as well. Um, it was a lot easier. Now it seems that you really have to have a lot more expertise. What are you seeing with regard to that? Yeah, there's no question. And it's getting harder and harder. Um, Google you know, has algorithms like we talked about with Facebook and um, they don't announce what those algorithms are or what you can do to, you know, they don't publish anything. It's for companies like mine with a lot of smart people to figure the algorithm out as it changes and evolves and get our clients, you know, as high up on the list as we can. Um, but it used to be back in the day, you could go on Fiverr or, you know, wherever and just buy a bunch of junk backlinks that, you know, were just just complete spam and trash. And it was really a game of whoever had the most backlinks is going to be, you know, ranking for that keyword. I mean, obviously there were other factors too, but um, it's, that's not the way anymore. Now, however, backlinks are still very important and probably the, probably the number one or two most important factor in SEO, but it's got to be quality. It can't just be from any website. It's got to be from a re reputable, trustworthy website that's relevant to really what you do and what you're talking about. You know, and then there's things like on-page optimization that you need to do and stay on top of things that you do on your website, like, you know, create title tags for every page on your site, descriptions, things like that. And it used to be back in the day, you would just like, if you wanted to rank for, you know, dentist in Denver, you would just build a website page that said dentist in Denver on it, like 15 or 20 times in the content. And you would rank for dentist in Denver with those, you know, 50,000 spammy backlinks, but <laughs> you can't do that anymore. That would be a huge penalty. So it's become more complex. It's smarter now. A lot of people have gotten out of that game because of it, but it is still competitive and you just got to really know your ins and outs with SEO. So from your, from your experience right now, what might be best practices with SEO? You know, it's going to seem biased because I obviously own an ad agency, but I would I would probably farm that out. I would hire somebody to do it unless you really want to take it on yourself. If you as a business owner, you have the time and you want to learn all that stuff, go for it. Right. Otherwise, you should really hire it out um, just because that's all we do. I have people in my agency that all they do is SEO and just stay on top of everything. That's how fast changing it is. Now, what I will say is for it's not for every industry. Okay, because there's some industries or niches where SEO may not be the best play for you. And it could be you could be better spending your money by doing paid ads in certain spots, too. So it really depends. I mean, for instance, let's say you're a lawyer, a personal injury lawyer in Manhattan. Okay, uh, it's going to be really hard for you to rank organically SEO wise for a personal injury attorney, New York City or Manhattan. There's so much competition there and there's so many people with money and they've been there so long that if you're new to the game, 
you're going to be better off spending your money in paid ads because you're going to get a much quicker response. It could take a year or more to get you even some rankings SEO wise. So in that case, I would probably advise a client to go more the paid route because we can build it quicker. You can get exposure quicker. And then maybe we put some of our um, assets in SEO kind of as we're going. But I, I think in a situation like that, I wouldn't even advise SEO. I think that's good advice. And I think that increasingly people are realizing that while paid involves having to pay money, <laughs> it's much better than having to spend a huge amount of time with more, I don't want to say questionable results, but with paid, you will have a little bit better control. I don't know if you're seeing that, but it seems that paid will give you a better chance, whereas not using paid, trying to use organic, yes, you can get results, but you might you might be spending a lot more time for a lot less good quality results. Yeah, without question. When we put our strategies together, we try to mix in things that are going to be quick wins with things right. that are going to be longer term wins. Now, the quick wins like paid ads, and my biggest problem with the paid ad is that you're only as good as your credit card. Once your credit card <laughs> stops working, you're off of the page, right? But with SEO, you're building a marketing asset that, you know, if we get you ranking on the first page, you're going to be there for quite some time and you're not having to pay for it. So right. but it's going to take a lot longer, right? So we like to mix in kind of the quick win strategies with the longer term strategies and the longer term strategies typically are going to have, you know, a bigger effect, a better effect than the, the shorter terms. But you don't want to sit there and write a check to an agency for six or eight months and not get one thing in return, right? right. So you've got to do some things in the front end that's going to bring some revenue in and, you know, get get yourself positioned to be ready for the SEO stuff. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Everyone wants those quick wins, but you're right. You have to, at the same time, be building that long-term foundation. Otherwise, you know, you'll only get so far. Yep, absolutely. So right now, if you're looking at this entire, you know, this vast sea of digital media, what do you feel that perhaps people are either misunderstanding or maybe they just don't understand at all? You know, it varies. There's some people that know just enough about it to be dangerous. And then there's some <laughs> people that just don't have a clue at all. And right. I totally understand it. I mean, for real. I mean, it's just, you know, they're good at being a lawyer or, you know, whatever, a dentist or whatever it may be, but they're not necessarily digital marketing experts. I mean, Jane, you probably know this too, but, you know, 20 years ago, you know, if you're a, a small business, you put an ad in the yellow pages and maybe do some direct mail. And, you know, for the most part, that worked pretty well for you. But now enter the internet. And, you know, I used to work for AOL back in the day. So that really, you know, that they changed the game. And so all of a sudden with digital marketing, you know, there's a hundred different places that a small business could spend a lot of money. And so these business owners are kind of like, where, you know, what do I do? Where do I spend my money? Where do I get the biggest bang for my buck? And so what happens a lot of the times is that they just do nothing. And that's the worst thing you can do because then you allow your competition to figure it out and get ahead of you. And we're seeing business owners that have may have been in a local business for 20 or 30 years now having trouble getting customers because they're people are using the internet to find their type of business and their competitors are above them and ahead of them. And they're, they're not doing what I call omnipresence, right? So once you figure out your customer avatar, the next step is to figure out where they congregate online. Is it Google? Is it Yahoo? Is it Facebook? Where is it? And then get that message in front of them everywhere that they go. That's omnipresence, right? 
Well, the local business from 20 years ago used to be able to do that with just their storefront and maybe Yellow Pages ad. They don't do that anymore. And so they're kind of stuck in their ways sometimes and they don't want to change. And that's what we're seeing right now with some of these older style businesses. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see with digital marketing is they just don't do anything. They don't take action. And from that side of it, I understand that because it's kind of a scary proposition. But, you know, we're in a society now where you've got to figure that part of it out. and You've got to evolve, adjust, adjust, adapt and overcome. And that's, I think, the biggest opportunity for some small businesses. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that even expanding upon that, you do have people who don't see marketing as something that they need to do on a regular basis. Either they don't want to do it at all, or people will jump into marketing when they're desperate, right? When they have no business. That's exactly right. And, And then they're looking for a bailout. And it's very difficult to explain to people that marketing has to be part of your just part of your business right because that's right you have to start doing it it before you need it right that's i was just going to say that before you did you know (laughs) usually sometimes we get people that come to us too late you know it's like i've been getting new patients for years and now what i'm doing isn't working and what do i do and you know we start looking at their digital profile and sure enough they just haven't done anything and their competition has passed them up and now they're looking for a quick fix they're like, Chris, you know, I'm at 20 new patients a month now. I need to get to 50 by, you know, in six weeks. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just not realistic. That's not going to happen, right? So you're right. You've got to stay on it. And, you know, I've had my agency, I started it in the Great Recession of whenever that was. I can't even right. count now. Right. Went through COVID. And yeah. my constant message to people is I've been through the ups and downs of almost, you know, every market is that the ones that are consistent right? Consistently marketing that whole time, not taking their foot off the accelerator, not pressing down further, but are consistent are the ones that are usually the winners through these things. So I think anybody, any small business that's thinking about that right now with, you know, so-called experts saying, you know, the economy is going sideways and whatnot, you know, stay consistent. If you're not marketing now, do it, you know, find your budget. Typically it's 5% of your gross income, right? If, if you're comfortable with that and stay consistent with a good quality plan. And if you don't, if you can't do that on your own, it's going to be worth it for you to hire an expert that knows what they're doing in your industry. I think that's absolutely right. And that word consistent is really, that's the key to everything. And it's something that when you think about it, in any aspect, consistency is always what gets the ball across the finish line, so to speak. Nobody wants to have to do something all the time. We sort of think about having to do something until we get to a certain point. But I think that that you're right to to bring that up. Yeah, it's proven. It's, you know, it's not something I'm guessing on here. This is what I've seen, you know, over the years. And it's it's a fact. Yeah, absolutely. And it's difficult to get yourself to to do it when business is good. Typically, when business is good, people will say, I don't need to do any marketing. I have more clients or orders or whatever than I can handle. And you feel like saying, don't think that that's going to last forever because things could shift. And as you pointed out earlier, it's a bit too late when everything has, has suddenly gone bad. And now you're looking to bring in marketing to bail you out. Yeah. And kind of another way to look at this too, Jane, is, you know, businesses that are getting ready to sell now, right? There's more prospective business owners that are, when they go to buy a business, they ask what their digital marketing plan is. 
right. and what they've been doing over the last year or two in terms of digital marketing specifically. So it can affect your bottom line if you go to sell your business as well. And I'm not saying you have to spend you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, but just to be able to show some consistency over the last year or two and, and trying to stay ahead of your competition will help with that value of your business as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think people on the one hand don't think marketing is necessary is necessary at all. And then on the other hand, when they think about it, they think that you have to, as you said, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars when in fact you can actually get started with a very small budget, at least from what I'm seeing. I don't know. What do you see on your side with that? Yeah, without question. There's things that you could do starting today, you know, for a very little budget just to get your feet wet and get started. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, you've shared so many interesting things with us. Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? Well, even though I spe- I'm specifically in the dental marketing uh, realm, if you're a small business owner and you just need some free advice and help, go to my website. It's kickstartdental.com. There's okay. a free strategy session button there. I do all of those myself. Just fill out a form, hit submit, and we'll schedule a time. And I'll answer all your questions as a small business and give you some my advice. Um, and see if there's anything I can do to help you out. That sounds wonderful. Well, I'm going to make sure all of those links are in the show notes so that people can find them. And I want to thank you Great. so much for taking the time to join us here on A Seat at the Table. I've learned a tremendous amount from you. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me here on A Seat at the Table. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something from it, I would love to hear about it. If you'd like to support the show, please hit the subscribe button. And if you can take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or other channels, that would be fabulous. Don't forget to check out our podcast website, seatpodcast.com. That's S-E-A-T podcast.com. If there's something you'd like to share, ideas, suggestions, or comments, please feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. Thank you again for joining me and being part of our international community. I'm Jane Singer, and I'll see you in the next podcast episode.